Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Drivers Meeting Podcast, hosted by RJ Starcevic and driver and team owner in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, Tommy Joe Martins. Welcome back to the Drivers Meeting Podcast, episode number 14, and we are just one week away from the Bush Clash at Daytona. It's come up so quick. It feels like the offseason just got started yesterday, but we're almost there one week away, and it's also the start of the Xfinity Series coming up very soon, and that really leads us to our guest here today, Ryan Vargas. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys for having me. I always love doing these types of shows. So, Ryan, I mean, we'll get right to it. You just announced about last week uh, that you'll be getting your full-time opportunity in the number six for JD Motorsports. You've had some uh, experience with them before. You've kind of been running a partial schedule, uh, especially last year. And now here you are. You get to do it full-time. So what was really your, I mean, initial reaction to being able to sign that deal? Um, yeah, my, my initial reaction was <laughs> a disbelief. Um, I'm very ecstatic to really just hit the track in Daytona. I told myself growing up that if I ever get the opportunity to race anything at Daytona, I call that a successful career. So, um, to now have the opportunity to do that as a full-time driver in the series, um, it, it means a lot. Um, I've been part-time for the last two years now. I've been, I've, I've never had a set schedule for the last four, three or four years. Um, so now to kind of have something where something's that's solid and we can kind of build upon it, um, it has me really excited. Yeah. And you got a great team over there at JD Motorsports. I know that, uh, usually over the years, it's kind of like everyone's kind of harping around on a partial schedule. You've been a part of that as well, but you guys got a really a set crew over there with Jeffrey Earnhardt, Colby Howard and Landon Castle coming back. So how is it going to be kind of being able to rely on guys like Jeffrey Earnhardt and Landon Castle who have been around for a while? I think it's going to help the whole team immensely. Um, I think last year we proved our strength. I think every race we unloaded and we were, we had speed. Um, you know, every race we were competitive, whether I was in the 15 car or the six car, um, you know, and that just shows the depth of the team and, you know, a, you know, the talent, you know, that's in the garage area, all the guys that are putting the cars together and all the stuff that we have to do as drivers on the back end, having to do the note taking and the eye racing and all the stuff, that goes into it um, with no practice and qualifying, obviously. So it's uh, it's going to be really good to have Landon, who's been in the sport for far longer than I have, especially at the upper levels. And then you have Jeffrey, same deal with him. Uh, and then me and Colby, we're going to be kind of in this together in terms of, you know, experience wise. Um, it's going to be fun kind of bouncing things off of him. Um, he's proven to be a very speedy driver. Um, and I'm excited just to work alongside teammates. And I think that's going to be really, really cool. For sure. And I know you guys, uh, Tommy Joe, can uh, note on this a little bit. He, I know I see the the cars in the background on on the little plaque right there. Those were uh, those were designed by good old uh, Ryan Fastana, correct? Yeah, Ryan uh, designed the TikTok car. He actually designed the six font as well for JD. Oh, so wow. that was even before I was driving the car. He designed that font. So I mean, it. Uh, he's definitely kind of put his uh, place at the team, and uh, that beautiful TikTok scheme looks absolutely gorgeous back there. My guy, yes. <laughs> got to give props to my guy. All right, look, Thank Ryan, you you you, uh, you announced this deal kind of late, you know, yeah. like this was kind of a late thing. Was this something that was in the works for a while? Was JD exploring other options? They came back to you full time. Were you putting together something part time? Like, how, tell me how this all played out here during the off season because it seems like it yeah. came together pretty quickly. Yeah, you know, it was just ongoing conversations. You know, I've the last two years have been really good and we've just shown the constant progression, you know, both in myself as a driver and the team overall. Um, like I said earlier, we've just been much faster than we have been in the past. 
And, uh, you know, as time went on, you know, we started kind of talking more and more and, you know, uh, I'm very fortunate to kind of be in the situation that I'm in and, uh, I'm excited to just get going. Was it a surprise to you with the full-time dive? Was that something that Johnny, Johnny has tended to lean towards full-time drivers. That, that's kind of been the, the story of JD Motorsports is kind of giving that first chance to people. So I'm sure Johnny was like inclined to the idea, but it's also the first time that JD Motorsports has ever had four full-time drivers. There was the impression that one of those rides would be left as a little bit of a rotational seat for bringing guys in. And yet you were the guy that got pinned for it. So was this a surprise to you? Was it something that that had been discussed or, or kind of what was that final conversation like? I mean, you know, it's just, I mean, obviously this is something that's been discussed for years. I mean, I shouldn't say years, but, you know, over the past couple of months, you know, it's yeah. Um, my goal is to obviously race on the full time basis. I mean, my goal was to race as much as I could last year. Um, so, I mean you know, as time goes on, you, you start working on different things. You start trying to bring in new partners. I mean, I know, you know, the deal with bringing in partners and stuff like that. Um, it's, it's just a constant thing that you got to work on. Um, but it's just been so unique to work with these guys and, uh, the opportunity to drive these cars is just unbelievable. And talk about that for just a second, Ryan, because I want to follow up with that. So one of the things that we talk about on the podcast a lot is kind of the reality in racing versus maybe what you see, uh, um, kind of on, Instagram and Twitter, kind of the, the race car driver life. How much of your time do you spend pursuing sponsors as opposed to like doing something fun where it would be like the iRacing part of that? Like explain what the day job is <laughs> as a race car driver. Um, well, I, w- I wish I, I wish I still had my January calendar on there because just about six six, seven days a week, I'm doing something work-wise in terms of trying to find sponsorship, trying to find funding to do, to do this. Um, I mean, heck today I sent out, I sent out, I think it was, I have my iPad right here. I could even tell you right now. I could tell you right now that I sent out one, two, three, four, five, eight emails. I had three phone calls and then I had four other LinkedIn messages that I hope that I did. <laughs> so, um, it was a busy day. Um, I'm trying to get this to stand better. Sorry. But what Sorry you're about talking that. about basically, Ryan is it's a, it's a sales job. I mean, that's what this is. Yes. It's a sales job driving. I, my philosophy with this is driving the race car is your reward. It's your payment. That is your, that is where that is what you earn at the end of the day. Your job as a driver you know, when you don't have all the resources necessary, and this isn't me knocking on people that do, you know, those, th- those people, they earned it fair. Like they've earned it. Their families have earned it. You know, those who they work with, they've earned it. Um, but you know, when you don't have those resources, you know, when you don't have the last name or the, you know, family member that has money, you, you got to do what you got to do. Um, and your payment is driving race cars. Um, and so right now I'm just trying to figure out how to drive race cars as much as I can. And, uh, you know, now I'm able to work on this deal and get this locked in. Um, and we're still just pounding the dirt, trying to get what we can. Yeah. And this field, me and Tommy Joe talk about it all the time here on the podcast. And it, it literally, it multiplies by the day. We had another, another announcement today that the Bassett brothers have a team. So there you go. Another one in the field, but we, we talk about it so much in this podcast that the Xfinity series is deep this year. It's crazy. There are team. I mean, we got way over 40 already that are at least showing up to Daytona, probably the weeks after that. And it's going to be a very, because we know the first three weeks of the season, um, are just going to be, most of them will just be locked in from last year's points uh, or whatever they're doing for all of the series. But it's, it's crazy. It is a deep field. I mean, are you looking forward to racing against all these teams kind of around in the area? Big time. I'm, I'm beyond stoked. I mean, we, I mean, I, I keep saying it, I sound like a broken record at this point, but you know, this team, they put in a lot of work over the off season. We've had the speed last year, um, it showed, you know, it showed in all of our performances. Um, and I'm excited to kind of see how we compare to everybody. Um, especially when we get back to the races where we don't have practice or qualifying as much as I love having practice and stuff. I mean, showing up to the track and unloading and being fast, that's one way to put, to make a statement. Um, and I think if we are able to continue doing that, 
I think that's going to be something that's that'll continue to elevate our team. Um, and also just the true diversity of the field. I mean, you look at, you got Santino Ferrucci, you got Brett Moffitt, you got Tommy Joe, you got, you know, Jeffrey Landon, you have all these guys, you know, in the midfield, Josh Williams, um, all these guys who have immense talent, immense driving abilities, um, all in different, you know, different equipment. Um, it's just, it's such a unique battle to be a part of, um, every race. I mean, whether it was Pocono, Kansas, Texas, or, or Phoenix, you know, we were always right together. And I think that was really cool. I always had a lot of fun. You know, the thing that stands out to me, you know, as you were talking about that, Ryan, is really what Johnny, I think, looked at going into this year was the value of experience. I mean, obviously, bringing back Landon. We t- we've talked on the pod a lot. We think Landon is one of the best drivers in NASCAR. Got him as a teammate now. Guy that is experienced with JD Motorsports and how things operate. Jeffrey being there for years now. Experience to lean on. You and Colby ran limited schedules. So it's not like you're going into this completely blind. And here in a year where this is going to be as competitive as the Xfinity field has been in probably 10 years, that's probably pretty important in his eyes. I'm guessing that probably helps your standing a little bit. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean, as you said, as you said, too, um, you know, we're not going into this blind. You know, we've. I've proven that I can, you know, keep the car in one piece. I've proven that I can go out there and compete with, you know, with the guys that are up front, you know, I mean, you look at, you look at Pocono, we crossed the white flag in sixth. Um, you know, look at Texas finished eighth. Uh, Talladega. We had one of the fastest cars on the racetrack. You know, I know every, like it's that has nothing to do with driver. That just has to do with the car. Like we've just proven that we, we can do it. Um, and I think now that I'm going to be able to go to my, now my second speedway race and, you know, Texas, where we got that top 10, that was only my second ever mile and a half. I mean, that was literally, I, I was still learning as we were going. Um, so now you look at, you know, all the all, the whole schedule for the first part of the year. We're going from Daytona Oval to the Daytona Road Course to Homestead, Miami, to, Fe- to Vegas, and then to Phoenix. I mean, you got so many different racetracks all in a row. Um, I'm going to be leaning heavily on, as you said, Landon and Jeffrey. Um, those two guys have been... I mean, Jeffrey has been a big help to me last year. I really leaned on BJ a lot as well, BJ McLeod. Um, he's one of the more underrated drivers, I, also, I always say, too. He's immense talent, one of the smartest people in the garage area. Without um, a doubt. It, but learning off of those guys um, and just having that respect for each other, I think that's a big thing, too, is we all e- equally ha- have respect for each other. Um, I mean, I got to work hands-on with Jeffrey last year on his car. I was one of the crew guys on his car for a lot of races. So um, there's that respect there. And I think that's going to be important. Yeah. We have a few, um, might I might add a few Texas top tenors in here. Um, yeah. In this <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Both of you guys. So that was awesome. Yeah. The, the great finishes last year. I know that Pocono race was awesome. I think for JD motorsports as a whole, like I think the whole crew was up there on that final lap. Um, and so that was awesome to see. And about JD motorsports as a whole, you go into Daytona and you got four JD Motorsports cars. And, you know, do you think kind of the mentality is to just go in and kind of play it safe all together, kind of towards the beginning of the race? Oh, of course. You have to, um, especially with us with limited resources. We have to be smart with what we do. We can't go up in the first stage and try and race for the front, race for the lead. Um, it would just be too much of a risk. I mean, we see it happen. I mean, prime example, you look at the 2017 race where everybody was racing really hard, they started wrecking a lot. You look at then, but then you get cases like 2019 where they ran in a single file line the whole time. So you're going to get different, uh, different varying strategies from each driver and each team. Um, but I think you're going to see us try and play it smart, at least for the first half. Yeah. Big, big race. I know Tommy Joe says he had, uh, you know, with a single car team where we got, you know, two different, we got a four car team. We got a single tar- car team here. And I know Tommy Joe says he usually finds uh, people to work with around. Didn't you say you had Jeff? I mean, I don't, I don't think Jeff Green will be there this week uh, <laughs> at Daytona. Jeff Green was my old yeah. stalwart that I knew wasn't going to turn me uh, if I got around <laughs> him. But, but Vargas, I, I got a feeling you're probably going to be pretty safe around three other red cars. Yeah. I mean, that's the good thing is like, there's, there's a good depth there. There's a lot of experience. Um, I jokingly told uh, it, 
one of the ongoing jokes is at at the shop is that whenever I'm uh, around drafting with Jeffrey, I'm just going to yell Earnhardt on the radio. So you, I, I, I bet I'm going to promise you, if I'm pushing Jeffrey, you're going to hear me say that. Hey, look, it's not bad to be around an Earnhardt at any restrictor play race. I think it's probably pretty good. Followed yeah. him through. <laughs> good company to be in. There's a lot of there's a good group of new tracks that you guys are going to this year. I think Xfinity has the least amount of new tracks just for just for your series because you've already you know been to Road America, been to Indy Road Course. Um, I mean, you, I don't, you haven't been to Indy road course. Um, but is there really what, as far as tracks that you haven't been to yet, cause obviously you've had experience out of tracks that you haven't been to yet. What is the one you're looking forward to most? Probably the Indy road course. Um, and not anything like in particular in terms of like, um, me being good or anything on it on road courses. I mean, road courses have actually been one of my better tracks, which is beyond me. I'm not a road course guy. I don't consider myself a road course guy. But um, I love road courses. I love racing on road courses. And, you know, I, I, like I said earlier, racing at Daytona has been my dream. Well, Indianapolis ranks up there, too. Um, I've To have the opportunity to race at Indianapolis will be really, really cool. Um, just this whole year, I'm going to be knocking off a lot of bucket list things. For sure. And is there really, I know, I know you like to do a lot of iRacing and that year it's actually going to be a big thing this year. They got their, you know, the pro invitationals coming back on, on Wednesday nights where they're televising it kind of for the fans, but you know, as a driver, uh, a lot of people love to have fun on iRacing. Um, but as a driver, where, where are those parts that it really, you know, plays a crucial part into you maybe preparing for a weekend that doesn't have practice or a road course to try and see, you know, try to guess kind of where the breaking points are and stuff like that. Is it, is it really kind of a help for you? Yeah, no, it's, uh, <laughs> it's been a big help for me. Um, all these races this year, I went into blind. I mean, we went to Darlington with no practice. Everyone went in there with a race on me, um, earlier in the year. So I was playing catch up and uh, I had to do laps at Darlington. We went to Kansas. I had to do a lot of laps at Kansas Did the Roval. I had to do a lot of laps at the Roval. I mean, it's, you know, it helps you get those sight lines. I think the, the good thing about iRacing is it gets you about 80 to 85% where you need to be um, in terms of just knowing the track. Obviously, there's going to be things like bumps and overall loads and that you're going to feel that are going to be different. And that's something that you got to just prepare for when you go into race. It's just kind of a known thing. You don't get that when you're on the sim. Um, but I utilize iRacing a lot. I did, I mean, just this other day, I put a race up at the, in, at the Daytona road course just because I, I, I haven't really done anything there. I've ran practice laps in the past, but um, it, the more laps I can get on a track that's scanned and is right to all the dimensions, I can kind of get an, an idea of my sight lines and breaking points and so on and so forth. Yeah. And I know one thing you said that was interesting there real quick is Darlington. Uh, you went on without any practice. I, I, I just remember before I talked to your uh, old teammate, Jesse Little, a while ago, and he was telling me about how the opening race uh, when Xfinity Series came back, that was his first time in Darlington. And he told me that was the only time he's been driving and he had no clue what he was doing. Is that, can you feel some of that when you were driving at Darlington? I'm not at Darlington, but I had that at the Roval. Um, I had that for the first time at the Roval because it was raining, but also like some people were like complaining. They were like, Oh man, my windshield wiper didn't work. I couldn't see. I'm like, I would have rather had my windshield wiper break than have what I had. My defogger didn't work. So I couldn't see past the windshield. It was just white. So at one point I told my spotter who was a uh, Mike Herman, uh, who is a uh, Chris Busher spotter in the cup series. Um, I told him, I said, I'm, I'm following the taillights of the car in front of me. I said, if he goes off, I'm following him like plain and simple. Um, it was the first time where I really was just kind of at the mercy of everything else. Um, Tommy Joe knows it, get, it It got chaotic there. I spun in the same corner at the exact same time when you guys were in that deal. So it's just, God, yeah, that was like gnarly. five cars in there. Yeah. Look, I've, I've decided that probably in like 10 years, they're going to do like one of those NASCAR specials on that, that specific race. Mm -hmm. We're all going to be brought in like documentary style to explain just how big of a shit show that was. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, I was there. My favorite thing is like, they showed the broad. I was watch I rewatched the broadcast because I always do that every time I race. I was rewatch the broadcast just to see if there's anything I could do better. I couldn't learn anything off that off this race, but um, like one lap, it, it was me inside of Weatherman, and he just went straight off the track and binned it. The next lap is the one where I come in and spin. Yeah. So I mean, it was like 
I saw it. it so I watched it happen. That's the yeah. dumber part about it is I was literally like, whoa, boy, that was pretty big. Okay, caution must be coming out. And they're like, no, it's still green. I went, okay. And then I come back around, and then I wreck in the same corner, and he's still there. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. How did they not like, throw caution for this? The funny thing, so the funny thing about that corner, and now I'm just telling the story, but like, so Austin Hill was buried like five yep. deep into that barrier. <laughs> yep. So I'm coming down that little short shoot, and I'm going, I was in second gear. I was probably at like, 4,500 RPM. So like putting around, just like, all right, I see him wrecked in there. I'm going to like, just be slow through here. So I'm going slow. And I guess I hit a puddle or something the wrong way. I mean, you, like you experienced it. It just was bad. Um, I go in there as slow as I can go. And all of a sudden I just get to like, you know, like there's that angle of no return. Yeah. And I was like, oh no. And if, if, if you go back and listen to the broadcast, you hear me wide open on the throttle. Yeah. Cause right just trying to get it to rotate. I yeah. just land the gas, banging the chip, so I just hit flat instead of ripping the whole rear, rear clip off it. <laughs> Which actually would, like worked out way better for you. You were able yeah. to kind of get going, whereas me, I went in there even so because I watched this in front of me and went, "All right, yeah, I got to really." Spin. <laughs> I was like, "I got to really back it down," and then I still wrecked. I just wrecked a lot slower, <laughs> and, and still was like, "Okay, well, I can stop." And I was like, "Up, oh, nope, still wind up hitting them." Okay, and then somebody just came piling into the back of me. So I was like the third one off the record. We had already lost four laps. So then it just oh. is like kind of kind of ruined the whole race. You had you had the right idea. If you're gonna miss it, just kind of just go wide open. <laughs> Screw I, it. I just try to clear it. It sounds funny, <laughs> but I planned the way I hit. I I I I, I tried to control how I crashed, yeah. which is a weird sentence. God, yeah, that was, um, and if for those listening and who haven't seen this, you know, cause you can't visually see it right now, just go to the race, um, <laughs> go look at highlights. This all happened in probably a span of about three minutes. There were just wrecking nonstop for about three minutes. And there was, uh, that was, really, Tommy yeah. Joe's happened within 15 seconds. Within 15 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. We literally had six cars piled up in one corner. It looked yeah. like something out of a big That was about in the span of 20 yeah. seconds. Yeah, yeah it, it's and and that the thing that I think needs to be clear to the audience here is really by the last eh, 45 minutes after after you know like kind of towards the end of the race like we had a rain delay we had a downpour and then they, they were like all right well this is enough which is hilarious because then it's like they just went yeah well whatever screw it let's just finish it off yeah. like it was still pouring rain they just went eh, eh, whatever we'll figure it out there were yeah, no lights, no lights on the infield at all. Was the screen blinding you too? Hundred percent. They yeah, had the big too. screen going. <laughs> the big the screen spotter communication, the yeah, the spotter communication was basically zero because the spotters, all their radio equipment had been soaked because there wasn't really anywhere for them to go. So by My the end of it, said, as long as you keep it on track for the rest of this race, you're getting the top twenty, and that's what yeah. happened. I finished, and that's 15th. it. <laughs> and the, the dumber part of this, Vargas, is like. We had the exact same thing. We, I was like, well, I'm wrecked. As many cautions are about to be in this thing, I think I'm going to wind up back on the lead lap by the end of yeah. this thing. We ran the entire race, no water in the radiator, none, zero, knocked a hole in it, knocked all the water completely out of it, whole motor, no water, ran the whole race. Ran the whole race. We got back, no. brought it to the engine guy, and he went, I don't even know how this – work and i was like well we finished 25th or wherever we finished i was like i don't know what to tell you <laughs> like it's just that's insane i didn't front rear I clip didn't, i haven't heard that one <laughs> front rear clip no no lights no brakes no nothing just complete complete See, I, just have a, I actually speaking of the robot, that's my rear bumper that's part of my perfect. Rear it's, in, it's in here. So I swear this is going to be like it's going to be like a war film that they make in about ten years. The people that go, participated I hope they in do that, like a special. I hope they do a special on it. It does because I have my I have my stories from that race. Just there's so many. Like there's me spinning. There's me avoiding everybody wrecking. There's me pulling the dude and scoot on old Timmy Hill. There's all this stuff that was going on. I mean, it was nuts. God, yeah. That, that so Vargas, we'll, we'll we'll get you out of here with this. Look. First full-time season, at the end of the year, what would be the goals? Like, what would you consider it a successful season? I would say, for me, I want to finish as many races on the lead lap as possible. I want to finish just about every race with, no with little to no damage. 
um, and just kind of prove that I belong. Um, I don't want to go out there, wreck myself, run in 23rd. That's the worst thing I could do. Um, I want to go out there, knock off some top 15s, knock off some more top 10s. Um, I think personally we can keep contending and growing and getting better. Um, but as long as I go out of the season and, you know, have accomplished those goals of running nearly all the laps, um, I think that's going to be the most important part. I don't want to set my expectations too high, but I also don't want to set them too low. Um, I think we're a top 15, top 10 team. And I don't think there's any reason why we won't be. Yeah. So well said. And I know you got a lot of different goals than maybe someone like Landon Castle coming in probably has as a, as kind of in a veteranish role. Cause he's been there before, you know, you're learning uh, from those guys and they're like, okay, we're here. We're here to, you know, do good now still developing and everything like that. But yeah, I can't, I can't wait to see you out there this year. Can't wait to see JD Motorsports out there this year. Uh, you guys all deserve uh, all the success this year. And as, as a goal for us, you know, since we've just been talking about that Charlotte Rover race, maybe when this time comes, uh, whenever that race comes when on October next year or this year, uh, whenever that race comes, we'll, we'll get grouped up back together and we'll have as, as many people that participated in the little mid-race <laughs> breakfast that we all had and reminisce on the, uh, on that incredible race. And hopefully they make, uh, like we said, maybe a documentary or something like that. Something they got to do <laughs> yeah. something. Short the film. Fun, the funny thing about that is I hope we have another rain race. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> I hope. I, I want a chance to redeem myself a little bit. I'm with you. Like, I think, well, and what makes me upset too is our car, like we were actually, like our car was really good. But because of the fact I couldn't see, I couldn't do anything. Like yeah. I would catch a pack and I would be like, I can't, I literally cannot see the bumper in front of them. Like I cannot yeah. see, like, here's the windshield. That was it. I was driving out of my driver's side window. That's how I was to the infield section. Yeah. And same, was, no. same here. It's hard to explain that to somebody that hasn't done it when you're like, yeah, you're literally using you the side windows. You have to do it. <laughs> yeah. You're literally you're driving stuck. with the side windows. It's, it's so much different than when the IMSA race that happened either right before or right after. Uh, I can't remember because they had an IMSA race right that after. weekend. Yeah, yeah, right after. They're they're all just like, oh, you know, you know, normal race out yeah, here. They were driving fine. Yeah. Well, also, they went, you know what we need to do? We need to get some portable lights and put them down here in the infield. Uh, it's like, yeah. oh, yeah, you think? <laughs> yeah. I'm just glad we ran the first night roval race. We can, we can put that under our belt. Truly, truly night. <laughs> truly yeah. night roval race. Like, as if somebody turned off the lights, Night Rover yeah. Race. God, well, thanks for fun. taking some time with us, Ryan. We appreciate you coming by, man. No, of course. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. back here drivers meeting podcast ryan vargas uh thank him for coming on uh we'll see him in a week at daytona so make sure to tune into the xfinity race uh that will be on saturday they'll be racing in the night just like kind of talked about uh last week which will be awesome but in xfinity series news i think i mentioned it uh earlier that there is a another new team uh, i'm just looking at your comment right now another one <laughs> yes another one uh, Dylan Bassett and Ronnie Bassett Jr., the Bassett Bros, are having their own team called Bassett Racing, number 77. They're going full-time. So here we go. Um, <laughs> you know, another full-time team in the Xfinity Series. Uh, they're running cars from uh, Richard Childress that they got a few years ago. Uh, so it should be pretty solid, uh, but we'll see. But another new team, just just another, uh, another thing to write down, huh, Tommy Joe? Yeah, right. I'm adding to my list here. I think we got uh, 44 full-time teams now or that are attempting yes. to be full-time as we have gone over this. And and look, before we say anything else, I'm actually really happy for Dylan, uh, Dylan and, and Ronnie. They, they work really hard. They're both fast. They both understand what we're doing out here. Racing really hard. Want to get the best finish you can, but uh, but understand their own equipment and the value of that and not being crazy. Uh, we've seen them kind of get some dust ups 
<laughs> down in the pit area. I think they had one with Brandon Brown where they were trying to fight him after a wreck at Phoenix. And, uh, you know, there's just a whole thing. And the thing is, they're passionate. They've won down there at the King and in level, which is now the ARCA uh, East Series. They have won at that level. And I'm sure they have a little bit of a grudge against me because I took their number. They were the 44 car <laughs> down there uh, in K&N when it was that, uh, but now have switched to the uh, to the 77. So first of all, I got to say, excited for them. This was something that I really expected them to do earlier. It was something that we had like casual conversations about probably a year ago when we were starting this deal for us of whether or not they could maybe split time in the 44 with us based on, we actually had sponsorship and that's why we decided to kind of go full time. It's rare in my career that that's happened, but we kind of made that decision on our own. Um, but they have always kind of owned their own equipment and they had a working deal with Mario Goslin where they essentially kind of split time on that 90 number. And then Mario would bring in other, you know, funded drivers kind of fill the gap, but, but he knew that Dylan and Ronnie Bassett were going to come in with good equipment, race hard, race well, keep the car up in the points to make it attractive, you know, for a funded driver to come in. It was the same model that Mario Goslin used with Brandon Brown and them before they formed Brandon built and decided to go full time uh, with the 86 number at first. And then now the 68. So, I, we're seeing another branch off of, we looked at like a coaching tree here, RJ, it would basically be another branch has formed off the Mario Goslin coaching tree uh, into, into Bassett racing. And so I'm happy for them. This is a natural step for them forward, uh, kind of forming their own organization. And, and they even said in the press release, cause I read it. Nobody ever reads press releases. I wish they would. Sometimes they tell you a lot of, a lot of information. If you can kind of look they between do. the lines, but they said, and I quote, we want to be full-time. Daytona is going to be full-time. After Daytona. So to give everybody on the pod a little bit of the inside information here, the way this always worked traditionally in the Xfinity series was that the first three races were run off the previous season's owner points, which is why you heard of teams buying and selling points. They were essentially buying a guaranteed ticket and owner points into those first few races. Well, that has kind of gone out the window. Essentially, all the owner points are good for right now is positions for provisionals at Daytona because we're going to qualify, right? So they're going to take the first 31 on speed. They're locked in. Doesn't matter what their points position is. And then the next five are going to get in based on whoever's not in that's highest in the owner points that has all the attempts. That last part is very important. So even though the 54 car won a race last year, doesn't matter. Technically, Carl Long's 66 car would be in the race ahead of that, right? So that is a very important wrinkle to this. But here's the catch, right? Only 36 cars get into Daytona. Well, we're not qualifying at the Daytona road course, so 40 cars get in there. All right, well, how? Well, that's kind of strange. How, how are we going to set the other four cars that get in the Daytona road course and get in the following race at Homestead Miami Speedway. Ah, well, here's how we're going to do it. The top 30 in the points from last year are still going to be guaranteed that same ticket into those next two races. So if you're in the top 30 in points, which, thank God, Martin's Motorsports is. We're 22nd in the points standings, in the owner's points. So we've got a guaranteed ticket for at least those, those two other races, right? we got to qualify in at Daytona, but we're guaranteed into the other two. But for everybody 31st and back in the points, tough. Hate it for you. Because what they're going to do is revert to the current season points starting at the second race of the year. So basically, those cars that get in at Daytona 
are then basically guaranteed entry into the next two, right? Because they're going to have points over everybody else. But what about those four open spots, right? That still doesn't get us the four open spots. That, that gets us, you know, six cars, but that doesn't get us the extra four. They're going to base it off of your qualifying time at the Daytona International Speedway. So qualifying, even though you will have not made the race for Daytona, right? So that's the crazier part about this, right? So your qualifying time wasn't good enough to get you in the race at Daytona, but it actually was good enough <laughs> to get you in at the Daytona road course and at Homestead Miami Speedway as one of those four open spots, which is, you know, we talked about this on a pod before, you're not getting the full paycheck here, but you are getting entry to the race and a chance to earn points. Some people might turn that down. They might just go, you know what? We're not getting paid enough to even go down there. And if they do, then it would kind of move back to the next person that would. So a lot on the line, not just, for, that's the crazier part about this, RJ. Everything on the line and not just for the people that make it in or make it or don't make it. In, in a way, not making it still gets you into the next two races. And it's kind of crazy. And really, in NASCAR's defense here, I don't really see how they do it any other way. What's the, what's the other fair way of doing it, right? Yeah. It's, uh, I, I think it, they've done a, uh, a good job of kind of formulating this up as we look at the, as this, at the schedule. Um, I think the next race, next race with Xfinity series after Daytona with qualifying, is that Coda? I'm trying to, it is. Yeah. It's Coda in May, (laughs) in May. So I want everybody on the pod to understand the stakes here. For everybody going down here to Daytona and all these new teams, of which we have five teams right now, RJ, the 03, the 77, the 48, the 31, and then there's one more that I'm forgetting right now, and forgive me. But there were five teams that had like never existed before this year, right? Mm-hmm. And then you also saw organizations expand and kind of create more. Wow, what a pressure-packed qualifying session. If Okay, I hear all the fans going, oh, man, why don't you bring back qualifying? Qualifying doesn't even mean anything anymore. Everybody's just guaranteed into the race. Oh, really? Okay, well, I got a session for you. It's going to roll off at 1040 in the morning, Eastern time, on February 13th. Tune in. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, – yeah, I'm looking at it right now. So you have – Definitely a little bit until, until Coda, the next race with qualifying. Then after that, the Nashville Super Speedway, you'll have practice qualifying on there. And, you know, this, this is the same thing. It translates to Cup, and I kind of want to uh, switch over to that real quick. I, I did a little write-up about that, about Ryan Priest, because that's a big deal for JTG uh, Doherty Racing. Brad Doherty talked about how um, they're, they got 24 races funded this season. And if they go through those 20, 24 races in that area and they feel like they're not running as well, um, they've missed a race, you know, there's something's happened or they don't get enough funding for the rest of the season, then they'll might not run the rest of the season or kind of select which races to skip. And that could start at the Daytona 500. We don't know uh, how he's getting in the race. And for those of who don't know, uh, they decided that uh, the, the four spots going into Homestead and uh, Daytona Road Course, two of them will be from 2020 points. Two of them will be from 2021 points. So if you really think about this, for 2020 <laughs> points, those two cars would technically be um, the 96 Gaunt Brothers Racing, Ty Dillon. And we know he's entering Daytona Road Course. We don't know about Homestead, but kind of think, okay, maybe if they do end up making Daytona and Daytona road course, they might take a shot and do Homestead if they're locked in. And and Ty has won a truck race on a road course and is a pretty good road racer. Yeah. Very good road racer. He was really good at the Charlotte Roval. (laughs) We were just talking about, he won a stage. That's how he's eligible for the clash is because he won a stage at at the Charlotte Roval. Uh, Underrated. Yeah, definitely underrated. So he'll get an opportunity there. And what's interesting is I believe at the clash, he's going to hop in a, possibly hop in a 2311 racing car uh, for the clash. 
uh, which is which is funny because it, it, like ironically they'll make their debut with Ty Dillon. <laughs> thought you know if they end up doing that for the Clash, but I think that'll be a really cool opportunity for Ty uh, to get in a car like that. It'll be the team's debut, really. And you know when we think about the Clash, they've they've been having the driver uh, interviews and media availabilities this week, and they're asking about the Clash and what how they're really taking it. And a lot of people are really just taking it as a, a test session. You know, and and they're going to be racing, you know, competitively and seeing the car, but you know they won't be going as hard as they would be, I guess, in in week two of the season because they're going to have this opportunity to practice um, and stuff like that. So maybe for Ty Dillon, maybe he'll use this as something to prove himself. Like, hey, I'm I'm in a twenty three eleven racing car. This car's got some power in it. You know, maybe he uses that to prove himself because he won a stage in a German racing car. Why not? Why not go and do something in the clash? First race of the season, no practice at all. I mean, it's going to be so weird just being a Tuesday and, oh, there's cars on the track, you know, not even, not even a warning, no practice, no nothing. They're just put them <laughs> on the track. I haven't been there in three months. I mean, it's going to be cool. Um, I, I, I think it's speed weeks is it's reduced, you know, and we're not getting as much action as we did before, but at least we're getting some action. At least we're getting practice, qualifying. This the feel of speed weeks is here, um, and it's a week away. I'm lo- so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and, and Ty Dillon's going to be chomping at the bit for the opportunity, and I'm sure 2311 racing is chomping at the bit. You know, the, the, it seems like this has come together very quickly. I can assure you, it did not. I'm sh- I can assure you, uh, there has been a lot of work put in behind the scenes, and, and they're ready to get a car on the racetrack and. Yeah. Um, this clash, you know, just for a second, RJ, talk about that. First time they've had the clash at a road course down there in Daytona. First time they've done it kind of in this format. And it seems as though this is happening with mixed reviews, uh, to say the least, where I think there's been some questions of, okay, is, is this really the answer, you know, putting it on the road course? what's the format for this? If we do it on the big track, is this necessary that we do this? Maybe is this a place where we can do it at another location? There's been a lot of stuff floated out there. What's your take on it? Um, you know, I, I, I'm okay with the idea for, for the road course for this season. It made, it did make sense. What originally when they had planned this, because originally when they had planned this, we were going to the next gen car this season in, in 2022, this would have been the next gen car. They wanted to make it the road course to try something different. And we would still be using the gen six cars. Um, this would basically be the last race of the gen six car. Now we have another year of the gen six car when we'll be bringing in the next gen car next year in 2022. So do we still do the same thing? I feel like they would, I feel like they'll end up doing the same thing where they run the Gen 6 next year at the road course, or maybe they do it at the Oval just for a finale. Let's wreck all the Gen 6 cars and celebrate moving on to the next gen. (laughs) Um, But I think last year as well was kind of a motivating factor too, because, you know, the Oval, it's a fun race. It's a fun race to get them all kicked off running the Oval. Um, It'll be, it'll be, I think it kind of worked out this year because, you know, originally you would have had them because usually clash practice and 500 practices are mixed um, in the past you'd have, cause I was there last year on the first day of the season, right? When garage is open and you had clash practice and you had 500 practice. So, you know, before we were thinking, okay, are we going to have them running the road course and the oval on the same day? You know, cause you got 500 practice clash practice. Um, I don't know how that would have worked out. We never found out because here we are and we're just throwing them on the road course for the first race of, this, uh, of the season. But I, I think, you know, with the oval has really just become a, we're going to sit in a single file line for 70 laps and wreck 15 cars in the last five. I mean, that's what yeah. happened this year and it's fun. Okay. You know, for some people to watch it um, for team owners, it's not <laughs> because they watch them just run out there in a single file line, thinks everything's okay. And then you destroy a, a super speedway car in the last five laps of the race. I mean, this year was the biggest example I mean, it was nothing but single file until at least five or six laps to go. Then they started making moves and there goes the field like multiple times, multiple overtime restarts. We had a wreck on the restart before we even got to the line cars were wrecking. We had about 
five cars finished the race. The car that won the race was already junked, couldn't turn. Denny Hamlin pushed him down. Well, it was I mean, it looked, looked like it, like his front and rear clip tore off of it. Yeah, incredible. Much. They call it the bush. You know, the bush crash. Now, look, I saw on Twitter, and it's rare that, that great ideas come out of Twitter, but I will say that this is the best one that I have ever heard of for the clash and it's because it incorporates something that i have like vote i have been vocal about which is that these exhibition races should be exhibits for nascar as a whole and when we look at nascar as a whole it's not just the cup series right it's all three of the top level series that that is what nascar collectively is on a given race weekend it's all three of those series together okay well what if since we're on a road course and since we're fresh off the daytona 24 hours that has multi-class racing what if the nascar clash at daytona had the 16 playoff drivers from cup the 12 playoff drivers from xfinity and the, the, is it eight? Is it eight drivers and trucks? Ten, ten now. Ten drivers in the truck series. And it was a multi-class event. And you had three different winners. What do you think about that? The NASCAR clash at Daytona. I have been so interested in that. Not, I haven't thought about it for the clash. And that's actually a really good idea. But yeah, because it doesn't it. matter, right? I know. Like, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I thought about it in general. I mean, heck, let's do it. I mean, let's throw them all on the track at the same time. I mean, I, the the idea I've saw of that on Twitter a while ago that made me think about it was Brian Keselowski. He sent out a tweet and said, Hey, let's throw 20 cup cars, 20 Xfinity cars and 20 trucks on Bristol. I mean, as a joke, probably because <laughs> right, yes, I don't definitely. think that'd work out, but <laughs> no. you know, it really did get me thinking. I'm like, if we did this in the Daytona road course, I mean, how, how bad could it be? I mean, the only thing you think of is for Xfinity and trucks, you're trying to, okay, save costs, uh, blah, blah, blah. But if you really think about it, if, like you said, if you were allowing the playoff drivers, they're the playoff drivers. They're, especially in Xfinity, you're bringing the 12 most funded cup backing teams to the track uh, to sure. drive. You got truck, basically GMS and everybody else <laughs> is what that, that, that herd would GMS and Thor sport. And then maybe someone else. Yeah. Um, so I think it could it could work. I love that idea. I've been totally. I've, I've always thought about that idea where you bring all of them on the track at the same time, multi class racing, because you know it's not like it would be a wreck fest. I mean, you're bringing out the most skilled, uh, powerful cars in each series, like you said. If you just did it with the playoff drivers, and it makes I, the eligibility really simple. Yeah. Make the playoffs in that series, and you are then eligible for that series. And that's it. And the thing is you wouldn't get full eligibility participation, right? Cause some of those drivers and trucks would be moving up. Some of the drivers in Xfinity would be moving up, but they could go back and run that as like their final race. They would keep that eligibility. It would be kind of be up to the team, whether or not they wanted to do it. I think it makes a lot of sense. And it's the prize pool in the clash is something that I, I was able to kind of take a peek at. Trust me, that money could get divided up and it would be fine to split amongst those other two series and it would make sense from a from a, a viewership standpoint uh and generating an interest standpoint more drivers in the field uh you don't really have to change the eligibility requirements right because that's what they're always tinkering with with the clash is they're like well if we make the eligibility too strict we're not even gonna have any cars in it yeah right where it was just the pole winners okay well some years you're only gonna have like 10 pole winners <laughs> it's like that's not great so easy eligibility you're gonna wind up with what would that be be 16 12 and 10 so that'd be 38 drivers that would be eligible plenty of cars plenty of plenty stuff of going on plenty of room <laughs> so poke the holes in this i don't really see any i think it works out pretty well i i do too i mean it would be a great way to kick off the season with all three series and bring it bring more publicity to the xfinity series more to the truck series kind of their top drivers um, and kind of showcase young talent, which is NASCAR feeds off of a lot. I think it would be a great idea. You got a lot of room. It's not like we don't know how a multi-class race at Daytona road course would work out. <laughs> We've make seen it a time, make it a timed race. Don't make it a lap race. 
Yeah. Make it a timed race. You want to, okay, well, it's for TV. Okay, perfect. Easy. We're going to make it a timed race. You know exactly when it's going to end. We're not going to have 15 green, white checkers and all this kind of other stuff. Nope. It's just going to be a timed race. It's going to be an hour and a half. Yep. Perfect. Easy. <laughs> that could work. That could work. I've always thought about a uh, team, you know, because once I really start getting into this, I'm like, man, what if we had teams? What if we had a, a six hour NASCAR road course race and we had driver swaps and you had uh, Joe Gibbs racing, have their own car and Carl Edwards comes in. Oh my God. You know, you start fantasizing about all this. Make stuff, it, make but- it two, two 30 minute sprint races. Easy. Two 30 minute sprint races in the middle. you let them put on tires and, and fuel? That's it. Easy. Yeah, I thought, and, and then you, and then you get a break in the middle of it to interview the guys during the race. It feels different than the other races because it's got like this halftime break in it. You can like get the drivers out of the trucks and cars and, and interview them, and they talk about racing around other types of stock cars and all that. I, I can already see that being much more entertaining, and and really this kind of rolls into a, another point here that I'll make before we kind of round up. I felt the same way about the All Star race. It's like it feels like we're kind of stuck doing something there that's not unique. Right. So when they introduced this high drag package at first, it put on such a great race because it was so unique. Well, now immediately we kind of fell victim to this idea of like, well, we got to have that everywhere. Right. Okay. Well, what happened? And now all racing just kind of looks the same. Right. So there was nothing special about it anymore. So I think that needs to be special segments. Aren't special anymore. We do segments for every race. Yeah. That used to be a really special thing in the all-star race. No, not anymore. Okay. So what can we do to make the all-star race special? Easy. This is an easy answer. You have it on multiple types of tracks at the same weekend. Simple. The all-star race should not move from Charlotte. It shouldn't move from Charlotte Motor Speedway, but it should be three segments one should be on the dirt track, one should be on the road course, and one should be on the speedway. And that's it. And that's how you figure it out. And just like they do it at the Chili Bowl, they have points based on wherever you finish and you're like qualifier. And so that's it. So that just, it makes, how do I make it even more fair? We're going to do three segments. You qualify for the all-star race. You're in. You're either a race winner. Basically, if you made the playoffs from last year or what a past champion or whatever other little qualifier you want to throw in there. That's cool. I'm cool with it. You get your 20 drivers. They run a race on the dirt track. They run a race on the road course. And on the final day, they run a race on the big track. And there you go. Sprint races, each one of them. Tell me, tell me I'm wrong. It'd it'd be like a nice little series of Mario Kart. You just have a bunch of different tracks and you add up the points and you, you see who wins on different, different days or different parts of the day. I think that'd be cool. I mean, we, we always talk about the Charlotte dirt track as an alternative for Bristol. Like, why did we go to Bristol? Like we have this right here. And then yeah, it's Bristol. right there. Yeah. So I, I think that's an idea. Um, Texas motor speedway is another track that has a dirt track. It has a big track and it has a road course built into it. Now, is it built in the same way that the Charlotte road course is? No, it's not, but I can see this still moving to other places that had multi-purpose facilities like that. Um, another one uh, that I'm thinking of is Las Vegas. Las Vegas has an infield road course and an exterior road course and a dirt track. And, and, and it also has a bull ring short track oh, yeah. and it has the big track. And so like this idea of like an all-star week where you had a pit crew challenge and then you had a, you know, a dirt race, the short track race, the road course race, the speedway race. That to me feels like it makes a lot more sense overall uh, to, to create an atmosphere around something that's different. Yeah. Now, what uh, that's interesting because those are two places. Like if we had Charlotte and Las Vegas, like an all-star weekend in Charlotte, we've done that before. That'd be cool. Then All-Star Weekend in Las Vegas, you know, what if we had an All-Star Weekend in Las Vegas, you know, we, when we go to Las Vegas, you know, everyone's all the casinos, the the lights, everything around there. You know, what if we, what if we did that? What if we had a race at the Bullring for, for an All-Star event as our short track, a race at Las Vegas, a mile and a half cookie cutter, which is prime, Na- that's what NASCAR is really is, is those type of tracks. And then the dirt track. And I think even Las Vegas, maybe, maybe they got a road course. It's all three. Track. And they have an exterior road course and all of this stuff. I'm looking at it and I'm going, you know, 
the big knock on NASCAR and track development over the last few years is, oh, it's all these cookie cutter tracks, all these multi-purpose tracks. And, you know, they have a road course, you got all this stuff around it. You're not really utilizing it the way that you should be utilizing it. It's like, okay, well, let's utilize it. I mean, I feel like Charlotte is the perfect place. It, it, it has an elite level road course, a, term, a you know, historic circle track in a top-notch dirt track where they literally run like the World Outlaw Finals. Okay, so it's got everything that you would want there. Uh, but I see a place like Las Vegas, dirt track, bull ring, that, okay, you can kind of talk me into some of that. But but I feel like that, that multi-purpose thing is a good format for the all-star race. Now, now I'm a purist here. Uh, RJ, I, I believe really that the true answer to any of this is you fix North Wilkesboro Speedway and the all-star race exclusively only goes to North Wilkesboro. And that's the only race that's run there. And it's the NASCAR all-star race at North Wilkesboro Speedway. That That's my dream is to make that like almost like the Hall of Fame game yeah. for the NFL. The, it always kicks off at the Hall of Fame game. Uh -huh. The all-star race would be like our Hall of Fame game in a way at this historic place that's been restored to old glory and a smaller crowd, but there's like a lot of pageantry to it. To me, that, that fits, but I got a feeling it's probably not happening. Okay. So what's another format and what's a way to make these two exhibition races unique, fun, and, and completely different than anything else we do. Uh, and I've kind of wrapped my brain around that and thought about some fun ways to do it. Yeah, uh, you bring up a good point because the All-Star Race and the Clash, it seems like we've kind of adopted those ideas that we've tried out in the All-Star Race, and it's now become kind of the same thing as a regular season race. So, I mean, if we get, you know what, in the future, we can put that on our bucket list. If we ever have someone like Steve Phelps on the show, we have a list. <laughs> We're going to make a whole list. All right, number one, we can we can do this and pitch ideas back and forth, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have an episode maybe like that. I know the fans would love to see that, you know, especially, Absolutely. <laughs> especially if we said something on Twitter, Oh, we're asking Steve Phelps some questions. What's wrong with the sport? Oh, uh, yeah. And the Twitter warriors. Go to work. Oh yeah. You can put your <laughs> replies. And I will admit that I stole that idea about uh, the Daytona clash. That is not my idea, but what a wonderful idea. Multi-class race. I think that would be a lot of fun to watch and, and a ton of fun to participate in if I ever got the opportunity. I'm all for it. Yeah. And then a week from now, we can daydream about that idea. We won't get it this year, <laughs> but hey, maybe sometime in the future. But a week from now, uh, we'll be the Bush Clash. It'll be running, uh, I believe, at 7 o'clock Eastern is when they're kicking stuff off yeah. on TV. And I, and I just worry a little bit here, RJ, right? Because I, I do feel like this is an answer, right? Like the Daytona road course that we're running on the second race of the season really wasn't supposed to exist, right? Like that was supposed to be California Speedway. So we all are auto club speedway. We all, we all know that's where we, sh that's, that's what we were doing. And the road course is a substitution. So this would have felt more unique, right? Yeah. If we, if we hadn't run it last year as a substitution race, and if we, we didn't have to run it again this year, right? And I worry RJ that we're going into this and we're going to get a product very similar to what we saw uh, last year, which which really was, and I can admit it, you know, the leaders in those races were so hooked up. It, it didn't make for like a super compelling race, really. Uh, the margin of victory was pretty big in those races. I'm worried that we're going to do this and be able to go, oh, boring, and then we'll change it again next year. When really, I feel like at its heart, this is still a pretty good idea. I just think there's a way to make it more dynamic. Yeah. It's a way to, to change things up and make it different. That's what we need to do. Not totally scrap the idea, but yeah, yeah, change change some things around and and add some features that'll make it cool, make it fun because that's what the clash is, right? It's it's just fun going out. What if you had a podium? You had a podium for the clash. The cup guy in the in the, in the one spot and the Xfinity and truck guys flanking him on a podium. Okay. That's a cool idea. That's something that's never happened. And that's a way to make this unique. And one thing that I know that sponsors love is unique. And so this idea that you can turn something that is like, a, uh, do we even need this into, wow, this is actually the most unique, cool thing that we do. It's something that kicks off the season with all three series and, and engages all three 
and gets everybody hyped. Uh, I think it's a can't miss idea. I, I, I need to, I'm over here in North Carolina right now, RJ. I need to drive to NASCAR and, and wake them up in the morning. Well, hopefully, hopefully we can. We hopefully we can get someone on here on this podcast in the future. So that's we got a Nickelodeon simulcast that we want. We want a triple <laughs> threat All Star Weekend, and we want a multi class cl- clash. And I'm pretty sure we've probably said some other things on this pod before. We'll have to go back and backtrack. But yes, NASCAR headquarters. Hope you're listening. We'll get somebody on this podcast one time, and we'll pitch all these ideas. Love it, love it. Good talk to you again. I hope everybody enjoyed that conversation with Vargas. Uh, he's gonna be a kid to watch out for this year and. I mean, what a crazy year. It's uh, we're a week away, RJ. We made it. So many, yeah, so many people to watch this year. And yeah, we've made it. We made it through the off season. I mean, it was crazy just to make it through the 2020 season, but 2021's almost here. I mean, I felt like the off season just started, but geez, a week away, the clash. And then then you're back out on track. The Xfinity series, truck series, everybody. It's it's gonna be speed weeks. It's gonna feel it's gonna feel a little bit normal again with speed. A week weeks. from now, we're gonna be talking about a race that happened on this yep. podcast that's kind of crazy be happy, <laughs> it's, yeah. been, it's, it's been wild it's been a wild off season but that's i know we're already awesome. gonna get going so yeah hopefully everybody enjoyed watching 14 episodes down as now we enter the 2021 season so yeah we'll be we'll be talking again after um the races that happen to kick off the season so hope you all enjoy and uh have a good super bowl weekend as well If you made it this far, we'd like to thank you for listening to the Drivers Meeting Podcast today, wherever you may be, and hope you stay tuned for upcoming episodes on Apple Podcasting, Spotify, the Believe Podcasting Network, and much more. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.